勝者は雪平相馬とするおすらい Hello and welcome to Reanime, the podcast where I make people watch an anime and then talk to me about it. I am your bacon wrapped potato y co host, Eric Thurm. And with me today、uh, is Jaya Saxena, a staff writer at Eater and author of multiple books,、uh, including the forthcoming essay collection, Crystal Clear. Jaya, hello. Hello.、Um, I feel like I don't want to ask how you are. So maybe instead I'll ask, what is the last thing that you, you ate that made you happy or sort、Ooh. of like less miserable? <laughs>、um, I. Just recently had a bunch of popcorn with this very good, like, spice mixture on it. I feel like the way, I don't know, I just feel like popcorn is one of those things where I'm like, I can eat this constantly and it's not a problem, right? And so、uh, I've just been doing that, like, every day and it's very satisfying.、Um, but yeah, it had this, like, curry spice mix on it and it was very good. Wow. That sounds great.、Yeah. Except now, I, I have to admit, like, after, not to like jump the gun on anything, but after watching this show, anytime I cook something, I feel so underwhelmed. <laughs> I feel like I should be doing much more. Wow. I feel the opposite, which we will get into. <laughs> but I like, I like, there was a period where I would watch this show while I was cooking and just like pretend that everything I was doing was really cool. Um, Which we absolutely will get into because it, it does involve me sort of like throwing an eggplant up in the air、uh, and being like, damn, it would be sick if I could effectively like chop this in the air and then catching it and being like, I would die. I would, I would cut myself. If You're I just trying to do fruit ninja alone in your house. Pretty <laughs> much. I mean, that's, that's like what part of the show it definitely is, right? It、It's、is. Sort of like, uh, uh, you know, doing something with the, the fruits of, of the fruit ninja cutting. Yeah.、Um, But before、it's、we, like, we get.、Uh-huh. No, I'm just like, it's fruit ninja, but for all foods. So just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just just nin- food ninja. Food ninja.、Uh, which there is at some point, like, not to, not to get ahead of ourselves, there is a point in the show at which the antagonists become sort of like underworld, like, evil chefs. Hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> And so there is some component of like, yeah, like, they could potentially cook against a ninja at some point. Um, but before, before we get into that, what is your sort of general history uh, uh, with anime, such as it is?、Um, honestly, not that much. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of women, I had a boyfriend show me Cowboy Bebop in college.、Um, That's incredible. Was that- <laughs> I, was the bo- I was the boyfriend who showed、uh, Osito Wanebu Cowboy Bebop last week. Yes. And it's like, and the thing is, like, that, that's not necessarily a complaint. I remember enjoying Cowboy Bebop.、Um, but that is like, you know,、uh, I saw that. I mean, I've, I've watched a lot of, like, we have an entire collection of, like, Miyazaki on Blu ray.、Um, and I've watched Akira.、Um, and, you know, I have, I have a Game Boy Color with Pokemon Red in it.、Um, Um, but other, I mean, those are all, I think, as an American, like, those feel like the big ones、um, and the ones that, like, wound up being prevalent. And, like, for, you know, for some reason, even though it was on, I was never, I never really watched Toonami that much. And yeah, it was certainly very limited.、Um, but I definitely think as I've gotten older and gotten more interested in, like, Animation as a process and and sort of like a larger thing. I've been more curious about it.、Um, and I was actually like really excited for this opportunity because I'm just like, I don't know where to start. Like, you <laughs> you go on any streaming service and I'm just like, I don't know what any of these shows are and are they good or are they bad? And just so, like, having an assignment is very nice. <laughs>、mm-hmm. I would, this is an interesting one because I feel like, I guess I don't know、uh, what your like, popular perception of, of anime is, but I feel like this show, in a lot of ways, is the thing that some people imagine、yeah. when you say the word anime. I was realizing like, that like, I immediately thought of、uh, there was a Homestar Runner Strong Bad email where they do like, a fake anime. 
Uh, and I'm like, oh yeah, this show is just that email brought to life. And I love that. Like that makes me so happy. It's just like someone with blue hair and like a panda in a background and like people having reactions that I don't quite understand, but I'm also like in it. <laughs> yeah. And, and it also like, I mean, we'll, we'll get into this once we introduce the show, because I think that from the basic premise, it is honestly shocking that this show is like as palatable to people, I think, as it is. Yeah. Like this is a thing I have suggested to a lot of people who were not like super into anime before they watched it. And we should say sort of going in, this is like an extremely horny show that has a lot of like very horny sort of like high school characters doing horny food stuff. Um which is not everybody's bag. In fact, uh, I attempted to make my girlfriend watch this and we got, I think, three or four episodes in and she was like, this is too horny for me. Oh my God, I, no, this is... I, re- I respect that. This is exactly my level of horny. I love it so much. It's, well, it's, and it's different for, right? It's like everybody has a different level and I totally understand that, um, right? This is sort of... It, this is not the kind of thing where I would like have an argument with someone, you know, if they were like, oh, this is too horny for me. Yeah. I would be like, I, yeah, that's like totally. I, I absolutely get that the idea of a show in which like people eat delicious food and are suddenly like naked and writhing with various like m- magical scenery around them is not what they want to watch. Personally, it is what I want to watch all the time. And now I worry about going back to any media that does not have this as a reaction. Well, the good the good news is that you have a lot of show left. So let's <laughs> let's introduce uh, uh, Food Wars. Food Wars, uh, based on the 2012 manga written by Yudo Tsukuda and illustrated by Shun Saiki, Sh- uh, Shokugeki no Soma focuses on Soma Yukihira, an aspiring chef who gets sent away by his father to Totsuki Academy, a massive private facility that trains the world's best cooks. There he meets Eren Anakari, the heir to a culinary dynasty and possessor of the fabled God Tongue, an inhuman set of taste buds. Students at Totsuki tend to compete both through extremely intense classwork and through shokugeki or food war, which becomes a primary way of resolving disputes. The series is animated by Studio JC Staff, written by Shogo Yasukawa and directed by Yoshitomi Yonatani, and originally aired uh, in April of 2015 through September of 2020, finishing its nearly 100-episode run just a few weeks ago, uh, which I believe was simulcast on Crunchyroll. Uh, If you are interested in watching Food Wars, you can do it basically anywhere on the internet. You can watch anime. I believe it is on Netflix and Hulu and Crunchyroll. So very, very accessible. Um, also very popular. Uh, so so maybe with that in mind, what, what are your sort of general impressions of the show? I, I'm gathering that they're positive. Yes. Um, and so I think it was just really... I don't know. I, I guess it did fit a lot of whatever archetypes I had in my head about anime for some reason, but felt a little, I love that they would take this idea of right, like the battles and the enemies uh, and sort of these really melodramatic things. And that that was all done within the idea of like a culinary boarding high school um, and that it was all done with food. So it's like, they're not, actually fighting with each other with like swords or anything and there's not like a war going on it's just like i'm gonna make this amazing fried rice or i'm gonna make this like incredible steak or something and that's how you one up somebody and there's something so just like delightful about that (laughs) like the the stakes are both very high and very low which is nice yeah, you. I will say you say that now. Although there are episodes later on where both like one, the metaphor that they use to sort of like visualize the food battle is a sword fight. Oh, um, and I'm not against the idea of like the metaphor being a food fight, but it is, and I'm sure, yeah, it seems like it's going to continue to escalate. But yeah. I think just the basic premise of this guy being like, I'm gonna go to my elite boarding school in order to defend my family's diner um, is is just very charming. 
Yeah, uh, it's great. And I will, and it gets, it escalates a little bit in maybe ways that we'll talk about later. I will say like the thing I often use uh, to, to sell people on where the show goes is that it gets to a point where like there's an entire season that is just cooking battles that are held on moving trains in Siberia. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> or it's either Siberia or Northern Japan. I honestly don't remember. And like for the, the show's perspective, it doesn't really matter, but they're just like, they're just like on trains and there's no explanation for like really why they need to be on trains. They're just like, it would be cool yeah. if we had these cooking battles on moving trains. Which it would. And it's that true. is cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that the show just like the reason that it works, I think is that it is so genuinely enamored with cooking as an activity and with like the joy that you get from food. Yeah. Because I think it's like, it's not sort of there. It's not like there is not precedent for doing something where like food is being treated as this inherently like erotic activity. Um, but just that, that the show does that and then takes like that connection and just keeps like cranking the volume on it. I think is like a big part of what I find so endearing. Yeah. And I think because um, it's hard, right? Like the idea of trying to visually depict what it feels like to taste something. I think that is something that's like very interesting because taste is so subjective. It's so personal and it's something that only happens inside your body. I mean, occasionally if you eat something that's like, really spicy, you know, you might sweat um, or you might get a little flushed. Uh, or if you eat, obviously if you eat something that makes you sick, you have a physical reaction. But the rest of it, like no one can tell what you're feeling. And so I like I know that the sections where they have people tasting something, that's where most of the horny stuff is because they like all of a sudden all their clothes come off and you get a bunch of upskirt shots and like someone being caressed by a merman with a rice snack for a head. And, <laughs> you know, they can be pretty absurd, but also it's like, what else were you going to do to depict what something tastes like? There's no, there's no way to do it without sort of getting absurd. Um, and so I think I found that part like really just like wonderfully creative and really fun to watch of just trying to anticipate like, okay, this person just got served a lobster curry. What are they gonna, you know, what are they gonna make this look like? And suddenly it's like a rocket ship shaped like a lobster launching into outer space and then a naked woman parachuting from it. It's like, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's, and I think that is sort of like core to the DNA of the show because there are interviews where uh, Yudo Tsukuda, the writer, talks about how he, like, the illustrator was the one who originally had the concept and he was like, I want to do a thing about how eating is horny and I need someone to, like, write a competitive framework around that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I think that's very honest about sort of like what you're trying to communicate in this thing. Um, because it is very different, like, I'm not a huge fan, or I don't watch, like, a ton of, um, like, cooking reality shows, mm -hmm. but it's, like, I don't understand, like, I feel like you couldn't do something in, like, a Top Chef or a Master Chef or whatever that comes even close to what the show does in terms of communicating, like, what the food tastes like, otherwise you just have to be, like, oh, you know, did did this guy get the Paul Hollywood handshake or whatever? <laughs> right. And I also think, you know, it was funny. I was watching um, Chopped yesterday, just like randomly. And after watching Food Wars, I was like so upset at it because I feel like the the entirety of Chopped, right? It's like here you have these four absurd ingredients and you have 20 minutes to cook something, you know, amazing. And that that already seems impossible and like you're setting everybody up for failure and as difficult as i mean one i i know this is a cartoon i know these are not real people so it's different but any of the competitions that they seem to have in food wars even though they're like very difficult they do not seem like they are 
necessarily trying to set anyone up to fail. They're like, you have three hours to make breakfast. And so it's like, okay, clearly a talented person has enough time there to like do something very good. Um, and so I don't know, but I think it's, and it's fascinating too seeing like, I was thinking about like Pokemon as well and how you have like all the trainers that are in different gyms and how you essentially have students like that, where it's like, oh, I'm a molecular gastronomy type fighter. And one who's like, I'm a garden type fighter and I'm a home cooking fighter and like all of these themes. And yeah, it's just, uh, it's really interesting to see like what they do with all the different sort of niches of cooking. Yeah, the the class high, like sort of the subclasses of cooking in this are so much fun. Yeah. Um, because you, you so normally on the show, uh, you know, I ask people to watch at least the first three episodes and it, it sounds like you've watched more of this one. I have, yes. So <laughs> I've you, now watched basically the whole first season. You, you have gotten to... Um, I think one of my favorite sort of like early versions of the subclass, which is the meat girl. Yes. Uh, which I love because they're like, her name is meat. She like is the heir of a, a family that owns a bunch of like, you know, beef farms. Uh, and, she, and she's wearing an American flag bikini top the whole time for no reason. Well, it's because, you know, that's like, if you're going to be that into meat, like it's just like, you know, Oh, I'm, I love America and I love yeah. me. <laughs> but it's just like, I'm sorry. What? Like she can do that? Um, but yeah, that she's just like, oh, everything I make, I'm going to make with like A5 beef. That's the whole thing. And then I'm just like, oh, that sounds amazing. But then it's like, obviously not everything can be made with beef. <laughs> I mean, not not if you're asking her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but that, but that's like I think a thing that also right gets into like one of the big things that I love about the show, which is that it has it loses the thread a little bit at the end. But I think especially in the first season, it has like a shockingly I think coherent like class politics. Mm, um, yes. Right, where like this character in particular, like I mean, even even right in the in the first couple episodes. Soma, right, his family runs this diner and he goes to the school and he meets this like very snotty kid who's like, oh, like you, you don't even like, you're not worth shit. You don't come from like a, you know, gourmet family. Um, and he just like keeps winning these battles by being creative and, and willing to like do interesting cooking. Yeah, I kept uh, thinking that the the first couple episodes was just like constant recreations of the end of Ratatouille, where they're like, oh. Ratatouille, this is a peasant dish. He is not going to eat this. And then he like makes a fancy Ratatouille. And then they're like, oh my God, Ratatouille can be transcendent. And that's like, right, in one of the early episodes, he makes this like very good fried rice. He makes like a, a mackerel burger that someone's like, how could something be this meaty when it's just made out of canned mackerel? Um, he makes, right, the, the egg dish with little cubes of gelatin in it. And they're just like egg rice, you know what? That's diner food. And then, oh my God, this is the best bowl of egg rice I've ever had in my life. And like you quote unquote elevated it. Um, but it's just like that happening again and again. What, what is that experience like for you to watch as, cause I feel like that, I would imagine that is like a big part of engaging in food media right now is like so much of is people being like, we're elevating this thing. Yeah. Right? And it's like, I feel like you could run into a very sort of tricky situation where like on some level it's cool when people do new things with like established recipes, but also they're sort of a like, we're better than this. Element. Yeah. That's definitely been like a constant conversation in food media. I think especially in the past 10 to 15 years um, because you have all of these swirling ideas around it, right? You have like race and class and, you know, idea of, of who is allowed to cook what. Um, and so I feel like, you know, you have maybe this classic example of it where, hey, let's say you have a hole in the wall taco place that's selling tacos for 
$2 each. And then you have like a really upscale Michelin starred restaurant um, where they decide to do like a play on a taco and that costs, you know, 35 bucks for that plate or something. And probably more if it's Michelin starred. Anyway, um, the idea that like, okay, um, on one hand, the we should all appreciate how good the taco is on its own. It doesn't necessarily need anything to elevate it. And we should respect the traditions and the places that this came from, respect the people who originated this. Um, but also that very much puts this pressure on, I think, especially chefs of color to be like, you're only allowed to cook the like, you know, poor food of your people. And it's like, no, also everyone should be able to experiment and everybody should be able to cook, um, you know, upscale things or food that is not necessarily of their culture or whatever. But yeah, it's it's a balance and it's a conversation. And I think it's just this appreciation where it's like both can be good. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Um yeah. Yeah. Th this is a podcast where we respect all kinds of tacos. Yes. Uh, but <laughs> but right, for something like that, I was like, oh my God, I would love to have just some like scrambled eggs over rice. Like that sounds amazing. But then also watching that, I'm like, I want the weird gelatin cube egg over rice as well. Like I want to taste both of these things. <laughs> yeah, I love and and I think the show does like a really good job at, like of balancing those because there definitely are, are times where they're you know working for like super gourmet chefs or whatever and and all the judges are like damn this is pretty good and then they'll occasionally be like, by the way, like you guys have to remember that the the point of this is to serve actual customers. Like I'm, I'm trying to remember where it is in the, if it's in the oh, first or second season. I believe in gotten, the first season, yeah. There the is something where they go, right, they go to this big hotel for like a multiple day competition and they have to do a breakfast buffet. And Soma is like, okay, I'm going to make this amazing souffle omelet and makes and makes this omelet and then looks over and realizes that like all the omelets have uh have sunken because they've been left out too long and he was like oh at my restaurant everything's cooked to order so everyone gets their food immediately but at a buffet people are wandering around pick people are picking things up at their leisure so i have to cook something that can sit out for a couple minutes and you know the customer will still be enticed by it and it's like right figuring out how to cook in like different environments and what a customer might want what might be visually appealing for them you know yeah they're like all these lessons constantly and it's actually very interesting I'm like as someone who's never owned a restaurant or I've I've worked in a restaurant but as a waitress not as a cook um and it's just like oh yeah this is the sort of stuff you have to think about this seems hard <laughs> I love I love that that stuff is sort of treated as being like equally serious yeah uh, where you're you're like Oh my god! Like you know, because I'm trying to remember what the other kids make. Like I think Erina makes eggs Benedict, if I'm remembering correctly. Right. Or like one there's of them an eggs Benedict. Benedict. There's her. Alice makes a weird sort of molecular. Gast I mean, her thing is molecular gastronomy, and so it's like three eggs that are not really eggs. Um, like one of them is an egg with a milkshake in it. Um, uh, what's her name? Um, Meguri. Megami. Megami. That was it. Um, she makes like a mini, um, I'm blanking on the name of the breakfast soup, uh, but a little soup with like little quail eggs in it. Yeah. Um, which looked really, really good. Uh, yeah. And it's just, I think it's also, I'm, I have not looked into this yet, but I was so curious of just like, who they got to consult on the food in this show because it's so obvious that it is steeped in like deep knowledge of the way cooking works and of different techniques. 
um, yeah. and trends and everything that I'm, and I know that the the manga would print recipes. So um, the, yeah, the the primary culinary consultant on this is a, a celebrity chef named Yuki Morisaki. Mm-hmm. She is a both a celebrity chef and a model, which I love. Nice. That um, oh the dream. This is she. she <laughs> this is this is a, a like the first photo of her that I found on the internet. Oh my god. Okay, uh, yeah, I will. I will describe this. She is just like doing a beautiful little like princess squat and some strappy heels and some lingerie. Wow, this is great. This and is- you're just and it's just like yeah. I also I'm gonna like be a model, but also I know you know sort of the chemical principles behind all the different food interactions. Yeah. And it does, it gets like increasingly weird as it goes on because like the stakes have to get higher. And so there'll be, they, they like eventually get to stuff where it's like, probably it would be impossible to actually cook, but especially early on, almost all of this is stuff that like, you know, there are communities of people who make uh, a lot of the dishes from food wars and are just like, I don't know, this is my version of the, the, um, you know, the surprise pork roast. Like, what, what do you guys think? Yeah, and I love watching that because I watched this for the first time. I want to say in 2016 or 2017, and I like was in a period where I was not that I'm not still extremely depressed, but but one of the manifestations of that was that I like didn't cook at all, and I like spent a lot of time sort of forcing myself to cook by like having food wars on in the background, so that I would be like, okay, like I'm I'm not going to get to a point where I'm like doing this cool shit. But at least I can sort of pretend that the act of chopping onions is inherently cool. Yeah. <laughs> because when you when you watch them do it on Food Wars, you're like, oh, shit, like, this is crazy. Yeah. Uh, even though, like, you know, everyone, I, I assume most people have chopped onions and it's, like, not an inherently cool activity. Yeah. Uh, but it, it works so well in this context. Oh, my God. Yeah. And and I think it's, like, I, I think I have sort of a... a two-sided reaction to that because there is part of this that really makes me want to cook um and i i'm a pretty good cook and i feel like i have a pretty wide range of things that i know how to cook and so it absolutely does make me i mean it makes me incredibly hungry to watch and then i'm like okay uh you know like last night i was watching uh the group of episodes where essentially they're in this big curry battle and I was like, okay, well, I cook Indian food all the time. I'm half Indian. Like, I got this. I should just make curry again soon because I miss, you know, these flavors. But then I'm like, okay, I know how to make, like, my curries. I don't know how to make, like, seafood curry udon. I don't know how to make uh, this, like, curry tomato calzone that somebody made. I don't know how to oh, make. Oh, that's one of the Italian ones, right? Yeah, yeah, one of the Italian brothers. And then the other one makes like Parmesan stuffed turmeric noodles with like a, a sauce on top. And I'm just like, well, now now the problem is like, I can make my like murg masala, but I want that. Like I want that thing and I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Well, they do, because they do have, right, like, she, she, Yuki Morisaki, like, wrote a recipe book. Yeah. That goes with this. And there are a couple, uh, I think, that are, like, on the Food Wars wiki. I don't know if they are, you know, sort of, like, the official versions, but there's, like, a lot of people figuring out, like, what the right way to experiment with and, like, perfect um, the recipes is... Uh, which I, you know, is sort of like, I haven't made any of these, but I am like getting to a point where I'm like, I don't know, I could like try one of them at some point. Yeah. Because the, you know, the, the worst case scenario is that it's like, oh no, you know, I, I failed like my, my anime chef friends. Um, but the whole point of the show, I think increasingly is that they fail constantly. And yeah. that, like so much in particular, <laughs> like his, one of his most salient character traits is that his dad beats his ass in cooking constantly. Yeah. Um, you know, and he just, like, keeps trying and manages to win, basically, by, like, spending all of his time doing, like, weird food stuff. Yeah. Um, I love, I want to talk about how, like, obsessed Soma is with, like, disgusting food. Yeah. Uh, That's a big thing in their family. Yeah, which is, like, 
so I don't know. I also found that very charming where it's like everybody's obsessed with how good the food he makes is. And he's like, yeah, 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 cool. That's fine. Do you want to taste this peanut butter covered dried squid that I made too? Because it's gross. You should try it. <laughs> yeah. I, so what are what, like, I don't know. What are your feelings about that cooking impulse? Cause I, I love it as sort of like a character trait. And it also is very scary. There's like a character they introduce later on. Who's like whole thing is that she does like evil or like yeah. disgusting cooking. Yeah. I feel uh, like, I feel like I definitely understand it slightly from a a personal standpoint where I've totally had the impulse when I've tasted something that's gross to just be like, this is gross here. Try this. Like (laughs) you also have to taste how bad this is so we can talk about how bad this is. And like in a way that can be like a very good bonding thing. Um, But I also, I think it's actually like a good way in the show to show him like, sort of what a curious person he is. Um, and especially as compared to the idea of like Arena's God tongue of like, oh, I won't put anything in my mouth that is less than like perfect. Instead, he's like, yeah, I'll eat anything and I'll put anything on top of anything. And like that's being the path to how you discover new and more creative uh versions of things and like new combinations rather and it seems playing into that like not necessarily directly a class thing but the idea of right the the elitism versus underdog thing um that she's like no everything has to be very prescriptive everything has to be done um in sort of these vaulted ways which then seems why she is so surprised that he's like actually good at what he does. And she, she like hate, right? Like so much of the show is her refusing to acknowledge that Soma is good at cooking. Yeah. Uh, which I love because, you know, he, he, the show spends a lot of time on sort of like her family and the, the sort of background of the cooking elite. Um, but just that, right. She, they're like uh i think the way she's introduced in the show is they're like she developed a sense of taste at like six months or something and it like shows her breastfeeding and being like actually this doesn't have enough flavor yeah (laughs) just like um first of all imagine being someone's mom they say that to you like woof incredible i also Uh, yeah mm -hmm. no and i think right it's like her whole thing is just being this like you know setting the standards and then right there's the whole the 10 that's like the, I don't understand how this school works. And oh, I, it's a student council, baby. It's just, a, that's a big anime thing where it's just like, the school is run by the student council. The spots on the student council are chosen by like ridiculous battles. It's just like, that's how it goes. Right, and I just feel and there's like no, there's, I, I have very little, like, <laughs> it seems to be a bad way for a school to be run. I don't know. Maybe not. I'm happy for like students to have input in their own education. But it also seems weird that there was this one plot line where Arena was going to like knock down uh, an entire club in order to build a cooking annex for herself. And I'm oh, like, yeah, when she, yeah, the, uh, uh, it's like the, is it the ramen club? Yeah. Or, or some, I think it's the ramen club. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. I don't think a student should be able to do that. Like that just seems like a bad idea. Well, but it's like, it's like, I think that's like the class thing too, right? Where it's like both, not only does she have this position of power by being like on the student council or whatever in the, in the, the council of 10, she also is the granddaughter of the headmaster. Right. Um, which I, at this point in the show, have they like explained the fact that the thing with the clothes is genetic? No, which I'm so very like excited. To, they haven't really gotten to the grandfather all that much, um, and so I I am excited to see sort of where that happens. Yeah, so they're they're basically the way that they like articulate it is that the the Nakari family for generations has this like weird genetic ability where when you eat something that's really good, like your clothes fly off. Yeah. <laughs> and then there are all these different So it's it's like that's like not even a metaphor. That's like in the text of the show. Oh my like, god. Thing that is happening. <laughs> uh, and and that they they sort of as the show goes on introduce like different forms of that where like 
like sometimes like the the grandfather will eat something and he'll like struggle against it and his clothes will like half come off oh my goodness uh, and it's so it's just absurd but the 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 use of that as this sort of like you know you you can like intellectualize or rationalize uh away things about sort of things that right erina in particular perceives as being like low class but you can't hide that aspect of like how people react to the food yeah and i love that when she eats soma's first dish the way that the show visualizes it is by having all these little like soma cherubs that are like tickling her with feathers (laughs) because it it simultaneously is like a thing where it's like i understand the the body metaphor of like a thing or an involuntary response but also that he like looks horrifying um when i when i think it could have been like a lot sort of more simplistic and being like oh she like loves it but it's hiding it it's like she's being basically like bullied yeah into into enjoying his food yeah no and like she she does not want to be enjoying it at all and uh that's incredible though um yeah and i think that is really interesting though about the the idea that this is just like you can't hide this um and like you have to react this way uh yeah i don't know it's great it yeah what are your other because i want to make sure we talk at least a little bit about some of the other characters yeah what are your other uh favorite characters and like dishes at this point in the show oh man um i mean i really uh i and I apologize. I am very bad with names, so maybe you could fill in the names for me after I describe who the sure. characters are. I really like the uh, the student who is just like gardening naked all day long, all the time. Yes, uh, um, I just love love that he's naked always, um, and that seems you know it's <laughs> just like another one of those things where it's half explained but not really and ishiki yes um yeah he's he's the one who's like the dorm dad which i also love yes um okay good here we have a list of characters um yeah and so he yeah he's the dorm dad he seems like you know very sweet and he's on the 10 so like other people on the 10 will have like their dramas but he still seems like very chill um i love also how soma like doesn't understand that he has enemies <laughs> like there are all these people uh that are just like so vehemently against him like the aldini brothers and mito um and of course like arena and everything and then they'll like see each other and they're all like you're going down soma and he's just like oh hey what's up how have you been and just like completely unaware and then also i think there was an episode where like his dad comes to the school and all the girls sort of develop a crush on on his dad and then sort of on him and he has no idea that anybody has a crush on him either um and so he's just like yep i'm i'm ready to i just want to cook um i think the one thing that i have found very odd is that anytime that they have a woman who is in an authority role there is both in at least where i've seen so far in the in the hotel battle episode there is an instructor who's a woman and then in this curry episode there's another instructor who's like a curry expert um they're like totally infantilized uh uh, the the one who's like the curry instructor has like a young student who essentially takes care of her. Uh, oh, June. Yeah, June. Who's like this? You know, he's like a tall, swarthy man, and clearly, you know, intended to be like very handsome. And she's really small and neurotic, and is constantly screaming and trying to remind people that she's not, you know, a twelve year old. Um, and he's just sort of like carrying her around places and like very much like oh like you you silly thing like i of course i'm the one who needs to take care of you and i'm like she's a teacher she's like your teacher (laughs) yeah i I would say that this show 
does not have the best gender politics. No. <laughs> it very much is a thing that is sort of like by the fellas for the fellas in some ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and, and that's like a thing I think, you know, that's like why, like my part of why my girlfriend stopped watching it. Uh, I do, I think that with June, like June is definitely the, the biggest example of that. Although they go a little bit more into her and Haima's like backstories mm-hmm. a little bit more. I don't know. It like, I think that's one reason I love Ishiki because he is like the character that is most indicative of the fact that the show has sort of a relatively equal opportunity approach to objectification. Yes, absolutely. Um, No, I I was noting that, that even sort of despite these other gender politics, which I don't love, it feels like everybody's bisexual. Um, Everyone's just horny for food. Everyone's horny for food. Food has no gender. Everybody, yeah, food has no gender. Everybody's getting naked for the food constantly. It doesn't matter who cooked it for you or what your gender is. Um, and then I feel like if anybody's in like a sexy outfit or nude, like other people notice regardless of their own gender. Like, I don't know. It's just everybody's, everyone's hot and horny, which is great. Yeah, which, and everyone's, everyone's just like putting that energy into their food, which yeah. I love. It's like right? that. Everyone- Oh, do you remember that Sarah Michelle Geller movie uh, where she's a witch and anytime she cooks, whatever she's feeling while she's cooking goes into the food? No. What movie is this? It is called. Uh, OK, I'm going to have to figure out what this was called. Um, but it, it was obviously came out in the 90s. Simply uh, Irresistible. Simply Irresistible. And she is a witch. And yeah, there's I just remember this whole scene where she like cooks something and she's really upset and like every she's like heartbroken and everyone eats it and starts crying. And, you know, and then later she cooks something and she's really, really in love and everybody starts feeling very in love and like floating and all this stuff. And that feels like what this show sort of is doing, except the only emotion is horny. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. It definitely has like a, a, you definitely could do a version of Food Wars that is closer to this or closer to like Chocolat or something. Yes. You know, where it's like, these emotions are complex. And, but it, it, the show is just like, not that, it, like, the show is just like, I don't know, like, why would you think about anything else if you could just like eat food and be horny? And it's like, right. there's something very appealing about that, I think, where it's like, yeah, why? I don't know. I don't want to think about anything else. Yeah, I feel like the closest they get to that is with Megumi, where she's just like uh, cooking this very comforting food. And the whole idea is that she is very empathetic and she's very in tune with like what the people she's cooking for might want um, and so all of the the sort of fantasies that people have when they taste her food are very like pastoral and comforting while still horny. Like they still lose their clothes at a certain point, but they're yeah, it's, like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, presaging the uh, unfortunate <laughs> popularity of stepmom, uh, horn. <laughs> oh God. Well, it's just, right, her role is very maternal. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's like, um, that definitely is the closest that they get. Or then there's, um, I think her name is, I want to say Mojo, uh, who is, oh, no, no, no. It is, sorry. It is Arena's um, aide. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hisa- Hisako. And that she's like... I love her. Yeah. And that she's, you know, she's a Chinese medicine type if you're doing like the Pokemon thing for what everyone's deal is. And so she serves this dish that's like has the four main ingredients for Chinese herbal medicine. So it makes everyone feel very invigorated and very healthy and... You know, like that's what she's bringing to her food. So they're like, right, there are other emotions in there, but they all involve somebody like ripping their clothes off. It's that's the the great equalizer when yeah. it comes down to it. I mean, that's one of the other like you're feeling horny, healthy. You're feeling horny, cozy. You're feeling horny, spicy. Yeah, you're it's, feeling it's horny, gross. Right? It's like that's that's every emotion. Yeah, and the only the only bad cooking is cooking that is just not horny. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which I mean, I, I I totally get what you were saying about the show, like right being equal opportunity in 
having everybody notice because it's like there clearly are pairings or some pairings or really only one pairing the show is like actually invested in um but everyone just like is sort of constantly horny in ways that don't have like plot drawbacks like hisako clearly is like in love with erina and there are like a bunch of scenes where erina will be like do you want to taste my food? And Hisako's like, I'm not worthy to taste your food, you know? And it's sort of like... Yeah. But but the show doesn't... It, like, does those scenes and then doesn't, like, call anybody out on it or it doesn't, like... None of that has emotional consequences. Right. And I feel like it's... In a way that I sort of love, the show does not seem to be particularly interested in, like, naming anybody's sexual orientations. Uh, It's it seems way more about like this person's feeling horny in this direction right now. And that doesn't necessarily carry over into anything else. Uh, But just people are allowed to be like, Oh, I I'm into that. And, and yeah, it's very, it's very freeing in that way, but I'm also maybe reading too much into it. I don't, I mean, I feel like it's sort of like, it is a show that wants you to do that. I think in that, like, I don't think it's rude to the show to say that there is not necessarily a ton of like intellectual depth (laughs) to it, which is like fine and actually good. Right. But that it is so laser focused on what it wants to be, which is like a Shonen competition show about like horny teens that you can bring whatever you want to it um, in a way that I think makes it really enjoyable Right. Like, I'm sure that there are people who watch it who, like, are really into shipping and people who are really into the recipes and people who are really into the, like, competitive aspect of it. Like, it's a very, very popular show. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that is, like, a big part of why. Uh, and, and just, like, I don't know. Also, just, like, everybody eats stuff. Like, everybody, even if people don't want to admit it, right? Like, well, I don't want to commit any do do uh, uh, many many people are horny not everybody yes. but many people uh uh so there's sort of this like universal foundation yeah that like if you identify with either of these two things right. you're like yeah and I feel and I feel relatively safe saying that everybody knows what it is like to feel desire for something um or feel satisfaction with something. And that seems to be just so what this is, you know, right? It's certainly depicting it through the idea of like everyone's horny for food. Um, But right, like whatever that means, it's like, you know what it's like to be really, really satisfied with a plate of food or just with anything. And this is like one version of what that looks like. And I think that's one. So the the show gets like a little bit more, you know, as you go along, like abstract and like a little bit more anime with the premise of the characters, Mm -hmm. uh, which is maybe a way of saying, because I, I, if you're this far on the show, how do you feel about uh, Mimasaka? Wait, who is the one? He's the one who does the copycatting. I don't think I've gotten to him yet. Oh, interesting. He's like a very large, he's like the very large man. Who oh, has a motorcycle? No, I have not gotten to him yet. Wow. Okay. Um, so this is a guy whose deal is that he just like copies people's cooking styles, ooh, and when he battles you, he makes he's the a exact ditto. dish. Yeah. No. No. He's literally a ditto in the Pokemon metaphor. He makes the <laughs> he makes the exact dish that you make, and then adds like one thing to it that makes it a little bit better. Oh. So there's like a multi episode arc where they're all like, "How are we going to beat him? Like he knows our every move." Um, and it, it gets, like, sort of the chef, like, powers get more, like, ridiculous like that. Like, it gets to a point where basically one of the major antagonists at the end of the show is, like, Chef Girl Talk. Where he, <laughs> he like, he, he, like, basically has that ability, but instead of copying one person, he can, like, combine two people's cooking styles. Oh, my God. Uh, which is called, the show calls Cross Knives. Which is, like, a great name for, like, a cooking superpower. (laughs) No, see, I'm, like, so ready for this, though, because I think this is, I think this feels to me like a natural extension of what I wanted to watch after having watched countless episodes of Top Chef, of Chopped, of any of these competition shows. Like, I am done 
with what can feasibly be done in the real human world, I want to see what the ridiculous magic top chef looks like. Um, because, yeah, at this point, I'm like, okay, fine. I've seen everybody sear stuff and make a foam and sous vide and, and do whatever. Um, I just want to see something bizarre. And that honestly is probably not feasible. Yeah, I feel like that's why. Do, do you watch the, the baking show? Yeah. I, I don't watch it like super religiously, but I, I did see a lot of photos of the cake that looks like Tom DeLong. Oh, my God. Um, and I feel like that's sort of what you're just, but like, that's like the only direction that you could go in like real cooking reality competition right. shows. In you have that. And then you have that show nailed it. That's like getting amateur home bakers to try to make really, really elaborate baking projects. The whole point of which the, the point of nailed it is that it's sarcastic. Like they're going to fail and everybody gets a good laugh looking at what the beautiful four tiered wedding cake is supposed to look like. And then looking at what this random person who's just like a pretty good home baker did. And, but right. That's as extreme as it can get with Like it can only go down for real people. Whereas like in anime, you can have, you know, Chef Ditto, who just like looks at what you did and then recreates it, and it's like you no 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 you can't do that. Very intense cooking, like sort of psychoanalyst with a motorcycle. Oh my god! Uh, which which does well because I think there is some element of that which like brings me to sort of one of the things I wanted to make sure we talk about before uh, we wrap, which is right like. I feel like this is, like, what the purpose of Celebrity Chefs is. Yeah. Is to, like, create, like, cooking characters that are, like, nominally capable of this kind of thing. So I would love to know what Celebrity Chefs you would want to see compete in the Food Wars environment. And maybe who, sort of, you think would be most successful at it. Oh, man. I mean, I I feel like the obvious one has got to be Guy Fieri. Absolutely. And I think that's okay. Right, right. No, no, no. He's going to be, you know, like a fire type or whatever. And, like, I, I don't know. I'm just imagining the whole... Already, his he's got the hair. And he's got a motif in his clothing. And so he's, like, most of the way there already. Um... And so I feel like that would be really fun. I don't know. I mean, I feel like Ina Garten almost has the same vibe of like cozy type, like very soothing, um, but still still firm in a way, still everything. I don't know. I feel like that would be a fun one. People listening can't see this. Uh, Jordan just put into, <laughs> into the chat uh, an anime version of Guy Fieri. Yep. No, 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 it's with, with the caption, you thought I would let you escape Flavortown so easily, which I think is, like, in the context of Food Wars, it would be, like, he combines all these flavors in, like, an incredibly powerful way with the donkey sauce, and that's why, and then sort of, you know, it cuts to the, like, metaphorical, like, horny food space, yeah. and it's, like, you're in, like, a magical city, and it's, like, welcome to Flavor, and, like, that's Flavortown. Right, and it's, like, you're riding naked on a donkey into Flavortown as, like, your reaction to the food, and, like, oh, my God, uh, I want this so bad now, uh, and then, yeah, I'm, like, no, Ina would be really good with that. I'm trying to think of, like, I mean... I know that she she's not necessarily known for cooking, even though she does cook and has had cookbooks and everything. But Padma Lakshmi, I feel like, would be very fun in an anime as like, I'm extraordinarily hot. Um, and also, I am going to dominate you right now. She She would be a really good sort of like counter to June. Right, like you're saying, all the sort of female authority figures. I think a lot of them are infantilized. Yeah, and Padma Lakshmi. You can like very easily imagine an, uh, uh, anime Padma Lakshmi, uh, like doing, you know, like basically doing the Lucy Liu and Charlie's Angels thing, yes. but like in the kitchen. Yes, exactly. Um, no, that would be really that would be fantastic. Um, I don't know. It's like right. I don't want Paul Hollywood in there. I don't. <laughs> no. Even though he, I could imagine like lasers coming out of his piercing blue eyes to like do something. Um, 
Yeah, it's sort of, you know, it's interesting because I feel like the heyday of the celebrity chef um, might be waning a bit or just certainly changing the way we think about celebrity chefs. But I think like, you know, when Food Network was like at its peak and you had Ina and you had like Alton Brown and Giada De Laurentiis and Rachel Ray um, and all of these things. I feel like there is a version of like, we're just going to make an anime, but it is the Food Network in 2004. And that sounds sick. And like, <laughs> and just like everyone who is there, this is what we're doing. Like Bobby Flay. And oh I mean, I guess, I guess they did have Iron Chef on there and like the original Japanese Iron Chef, which I can't believe we have not talked about. Japanese Iron Chef and this show yeah, it, it, it's this this show definitely I think is like very heavily influenced by the original Iron Chef yeah um which again which you know and maybe I know that was not an anime but I feel like that must have obviously prepped me for loving this because like I watched that all the time and it was fantastic uh and it seemed, yeah, extra, you know, an arena and making it like the the first show that I saw to really make this seem like sports. Um, so, yeah. Wow. I can't believe I did not even think of that until right now. <laughs> but I think that's a testament to how good Food Wars is at like doing its own thing with the concept. Yes. Uh, because it's like, you know, like you said, uh there's a limit to like what people in a real place can experience. And I feel like one of the things that I love about food wars is that when you do the big battles in the arena or whatever, you have like this anime trope, you know, where like all the other people are responding to what they're cooking. Yeah. And like, you wouldn't really get that in the same way where they'll be like, he's created a spice bomb by keeping a lid on his curry. And then when he like takes it off, you like see this, you know, like it, it, it comes out. Um, and, and like, right. Real, if you're like a real person who's like a hundred or however many feet away from the cooking, you like, won't necessarily have the same, uh, experience because you are bound by the laws of physics and having a human nose. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And I think just even right. Like that to put it really plainly, I mean, right. That's the difference of what animation can do. It does things that humans can't. Uh, it depicts humans doing things that humans can't do, uh, which is just really lovely sometimes. God, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's true. And it definitely is a big part of why I find this show inspirational in a way that I don't think I find other, you know, sort of cooking TV because it is just so metaphorical and insane and it's yeah. like I, I would like to live my life that way sometimes I think that would be nice and it's funny because it, at least right now where I'm at in the show it does feel like it it can be a really fun balance between like the Iron Chef the battles the like oh no like Soma's like whipping off his headband like you know it's on sort of thing and giving me what the Great British Bake Off does which is them all living in their like beautiful dorm just like farming and studying food and cooking for each other and i'm like oh that's so nice like i just want to go out and garden and then have one of my chef friends make me onigiri and then later i will cook dinner for them and everyone experiments with stuff and feeds it to each other and like that's how we socialize and i'm just and maybe i'm just missing people uh, but like, yeah, I mean, this, I, would, I would live in like a cooking centric commune. Yeah, right? Just no, like, that's what you do. Like whatever, whatever, like Iron Chef kibbutz they're on seems really lovely, and I want to wow. go live in it. And so I think, it, right, it's like in between all of the competition, especially with the dorm that they're in. The show does such a good job of like everybody caring about each other, everybody making sure that it's like, oh, did we all pass this certain test? Like, are we all still here? Um, And then they're just like doing things for each other. And it's really nice. I think that maybe because we've been going for almost an hour that should be around where we wrap up. Are there other sort of like things that you want to make sure that you share about the the show? No. I feel like normally I end the show by asking if people are going to watch more 
And I feel like I, you have answered that I question. Clearly, yes. No, I uh, last night I got too sleepy right before watching the final episode, I think, of the first season. And so I am just sort of like raring to get to that today. Um, I don't know. I think it's also the fact that like with quarantine and stuff, I'm very grateful to like have something to watch that obviously seems to have very, very many episodes. Um, So I don't have to decide like what I want to watch. It's really nice to just have something being like, yeah, I'm putting this on again. Um, But no, I, I really like this and I, I'm going to watch the whole thing. That's so, I'm so glad because you're, (laughs) you're, you're at at the end of the first season is like a three-way battle, right? Between uh, Soma, uh, Akira, and Kurokaba. Is that, am I remembering that right? I th- or maybe, so I'm at the end of whatever the curry battle is, which is, which I guess I think is leading toward the three-way battle, but it's like in the middle of the A and B team oh, uh, yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also realize that, like, I'm watching it on Netflix, so what they label as seasons might not be the same as, like, what they're labeled elsewhere. Um, like, the theme song has already changed once. By the way, I'll just note that the theme songs rule. Opening credits, yeah, we- ending credits, both rule. All of all the different versions of them are great. We always forget to talk about that oh. uh, classically on this show. I enjoy them. I would say they're not my favorite openings necessarily, but I really like a lot of the silly animation choices that they make in them where it'll yeah. be like Soma like walking through the desert as like the wind blows and he's like, I'm off alone exploring the culinary wasteland. Yeah. Or it's like all the students naked in like a giant black stew. <laughs> <laughs> that's I mean, that's the show. That's basically the that's show. That's the show. That's, that's the whole the thing. <laughs> the podcast going to be four seconds long. It's just that description. Are you, are you, I, I totally forgot to ask, are you watching the sub or the dub? Uh, we're watching the the sub. Okay. So I would be curious. I, I think that's probably the right choice on this case, uh, partly because, and maybe we can revisit this later. The dub, I think, just has like a very weird, the, the actress who does uh, Erin's voice does like a valley girl voice for her, oh. which I think is just like incorrect. I think that's wrong. Like yeah. it doesn't have... Like, she needs to be very prim, I think. Yeah. Um, like, I could see and, how you would decide Valley Girl meant rich girl voice, but this is a different type of rich girl. Right. She's not a, she's not a clueless. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but still, like, you know, it, it, it's interesting, like, how they sort of have, like, done those interpretations for, you know, the, like, presumably largely American, like, Western audience. Yeah. Um, but it, it, that, that's a, a digression that we, I think, would lead us too far away <laughs> from where we want to uh, wrap up. So, yeah, which is obviously uh, in Flavortown. Yes, we're in, in anime Flavortown. <laughs> that's constantly where everybody in the Polar Star dormitory is. Um, I love all of the horny sort of cooking children. I love the Italian brothers and their, their dumb Mezzalunas. I love Megumi. I love, like, they're all so delightful. And I feel very grateful to have been able to spend this much time with them. Uh, And to have spent this time with you talking about their their weird horny cooking. Yeah. Um, Well, Oh, I was going to say, Joe, where where can people people, uh, read your writing about cooking or or follow along with your work in other capacities. Yeah. Um, well, you can find me uh, on Twitter. I'm at Jaya Sachs. You can also go to eater.com where I'm a staff writer. Um, yeah, I'd say those are the two main places. Uh, and I keep wondering if I'm going to, if I should write about the show in some other capacity once I finish the whole thing and become oh, totally please. obsessed. Um, but I don't know what else I'd say about it other than to be like, it's horny. I like it. <laughs> it's folks. Everyone's just going to be sharing it. Food wars, perfect quarantine viewing, the natural evolution of the sourdough trend. Yeah. <laughs> um, where, where should people go to, to pre-order your book? Oh, uh, I would love it if you ordered from whatever your favorite indie bookstore is. It's the book is called crystal clear. Um, but you can also look at bookshop.org. Org, I believe, is the <laughs> the ending of Bookshop. Um, but yes, that would be lovely. Or if you find me on Twitter, I will definitely be talking about it nonstop for a while. 
Uh, fantastic. And you can listen to more Fanbytes podcasts at fanbyte.com slash podcasts, follow Fanbyte streams at twitch.tv slash fanbyte, and engage with more Fanbyte posts at twitter.com slash fanbytemedia. Uh, I'm at, at Eric Thurm, and you can email us with feedback, questions, or suggestions for food wars recipes you would like me to start a grease fire attempting to cook at podcasts at fanbyte.com. Um, yeah, I love this show a lot, and I am really delighted uh, that we got the chance to talk about it. Thank you so much for, for joining, Jaya. Thank you for having me. Uh, and until next time, folks, we'll see you in the shadow room.